Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. We'd love to hear from you. Contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com. Go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright. Today is August 12th, 2016. We're very pleased to have with us for the very first time Paul Cohn of Plutus Wealth, and they develop and manage financial strategies for advisors to use in managing their clients' assets. He speaks to us from their offices just outside of Indianapolis, Indiana. Paul, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Great to be with you, Charlie. So, Paul, uh, Plutus offers eight portfolios, all in the investment alternative, sp- the, the, the alternative investment space. Give us a b- brief background of the founders of the firm. Well, the founders of the firm, the quick background, numerous years of experience. Um, I myself have been in the industry about 20 years. Started with a um, mutual fund company went then to a large wirehouse. And in that large wirehouse that everyone here has probably always heard of, they tapped me for a family office task force because this wirehouse did not have a family office. So I was lucky enough to travel around the world meeting with uh, large family offices on how they managed money and how to set one of those up. And the firm decided not to implement that. But once you've actually seen the magic of what a family office can do on the investment side, you really can't go back to you know pitching uh, mutual funds and stocks. So I spun out on my own um, and created a firm called Wealth Planning and Management, which was a very successful RIA firm, and uh, you know built that for over a decade. And because of the success, we thought we would uh, actually open Plutos to give back, kind of more so toward the uh, advisors that weren't as lucky as I was to look and see what the other side truly does, What, how multiple billionaires manage their uh, actual investments on, on the stock side. Okay, and so that that is your background, and Plutus then started about when? Uh, Plutus actually, we launched this for advisors five years ago, 2011. The strategies have been around because we use that actually on the RAA side, started as far back as 2000. I see. Okay. So tell us, what does Plutus do for whom and how? Well, Plutus is actually named after Plutus, the Greek mythical god that was blinded by Zeus, so that he's a god of um, wealth and abundance, to be able to give his wealth and abundance to everyone indiscriminately. So we started this Plutus Wealth for advisors because we can only manage so many clients on the RA side. So we wanted to go to advisors and say, hey, you can model our strategies. And instead of doing the typical sub-advising, AUM type of models, we broke it down and said, we'll do a subscription basis. It doesn't cost us any more to manage a dollar or a billion dollars through the advisor. So we want to be able to give that to the advisor on a flat fee subscription basis, kind of turning the sub-advisory model upside down on its head, make it a subscription base. So we focus primarily on advisors. 
We do have some individuals that actually do subscribe. They Maybe they're do-it-yourselfers. They don't necessarily have a financial advisor. So they do it themselves. But predominantly, our market is financial advisors directly. Okay. And what sets you apart from others who do sub-advisory? Well, what sets us apart is we do not take custody of assets. We do not do joint accounts. We do not have asset minimums. Um, what sets us apart is... We do not do back testing numbers. All the numbers that we have are historical numbers. We do not kind of force you into a certain strategy. A lot of the advisors pick and choose which strategy they like of ours, blend them together for their portfolio or their model. We allow them to white label it. It's completely theirs. It's not ours. It is, you know, we're just giving them basically a signal every time there is a trade. They place the trade, whether that be in one account or a thousand accounts. It does not matter where a traditional sub-advisor, there's a joint account with the advisor and the client and the sub-advisor. The sub-advisor is placing all the trades. There's account minimums. You might not be able to diversify properly. And a lot of advisors just don't want to open joint accounts with sub-advisors. It's too much work and headache. Yeah, and, and, and we, we can all appreciate that here. So um, you send out signals is what you do for each of your strategies. Correct. Okay, and then they, the advisor then, or in some cases maybe the client, uh, but typically the advisor, they're the ones who actually make the trades. Yes, yes, that is the case. And seven of our eight strategies are actually ETF-based uh, versus stock-based, and Almost every ETF we choose is on a non-commissionable trade list, whether that be at Schwab, Fidelity, TD Ameritrade. So there's not a churning effect because there's usually no commission involved. Right. Okay, so tell us, you have eight different portfolios. Uh, Are you adding to those? Well, when did you add the most recent one, and how old is the oldest? The oldest is 2000. That is our risk. That's our flagship, our risk-managed sectors. And the newest one would be our VIX, and that one, I believe, just turned four years old. Okay. So uh, tell us a little about your risk-managed sectors. Our risk-managed sector is the S&P 500. And as we all know, there's numerous ways to buy the S&P 500. You could buy all 500 stocks. You could buy a mutual fund. You could buy the Spider ETF. Uh, you could also buy the spiders directly and break it down into sectors, which is what we do. We look at the sectors. We do a sector rotation, but we also use a very sophisticated algorithm to tell us when to go into which sector, which when to come out. So you could be fully invested in all nine sectors of the S&P, or in a horrible market, you could actually be 100% in cash or any variation thereof. Okay. Does it short any of those sectors? It does not. This is a long only or cash only. Okay, and we so have some strategy that will short and you know do leverage in short, but that's a different. Those are different strategies. Okay, so the the, the sector uh, system that you use has what ten, twelve sectors because there are different ways to define sectors. Uh, we actually use the spiders, and they have nine. They have nine. Okay, so there are nine sectors, and your algorithm situ- system tells you when to be in or out of each of those sectors. So I presume somebody would take uh, you know, whatever amount they have to apply to that strategy, divide it by nine, and say that's the amount to apply to each strategy. And then for each strategy, they're either in that strategy or they're in cash. Is that how it works? 
that is how it works. And our algorithm is based on a lot of moving parts, um, but they break down into roughly four different categories. Um, I know this kind of minutia a little bit sometimes, but it's, you know, under the risk metrics, you know, we're looking at sharp, sortina ratios, asymmetric quick, quick responses. The next category would be like Hurst exponent, um, which is pretty, uh, just only predictability of time series for those that aren't really familiar with algorithms. We also do relative trend strengths, whether that's the stock versus the industry versus the overall market, you know, the alphas and betas. We also use a forward walk optimization, which is nothing more than a uh, in-sample and out-of-sample testing periods. So each component, even though we have four major kind of buckets, each one can have anywhere between two and I think the highest one is 14 different components in there. So the, the algorithms get fairly complex and advanced, but our basic premise is it's not what you make, it's what you keep. So we try to avoid as much of the downside as humanly possible in the market without trying to get the client whipsawed. And when we do a signal, we do a signal generally first trading day of every month. However, we also revisit it in case something happens during the month. So they could have a mid-month signal as well to avoid any catastrophes. You know, hold that right there, Paul. We need to stop and take a break for just a minute. This is very interesting stuff. Again, we're talking with Paul Cohn of Pluto's Wealth out of uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, and we'll be right back. According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. And now back to Charlie and his guest. Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Paul Cohn of Plutos Wealth out of Indianapolis, Indiana. So, Paul, if I were to summarize what you guys do, your your former uh, advisors who have created currently eight portfolios, all in the alternative investment space, that can be in and out of various markets, all with their own strategies, algorithm systems, etc., correct? Absolutely. Correct. That is absolutely correct. And uh, these all provide signals which you then sell to advisors for them to manage their money, the money of their clients. Correct. Yes. And all of the returns that you show on your website are actual returns. Uh, They're not any back-tested returns at all. That is correct. And on the website, just because we actually send a signal, for example, Charlie, if I was sending you a signal today, we're going to use end-of-day pricing for our metrics on our website. You get the trade signal prior to market opening. So because you're trading at some point today, I don't know exactly what you would get as your trade. So that's why we use end-of-day pricing. So the advisor may have a slight advantage or a slight disadvantage when it comes to their actual portfolio performance compared to our website, but we use end-of-day pricing. Sure, and, and that's always the case here. 
So again, uh, focused on your uh, risk. Uh, well, what's the the risk sector rotation here? What's it called? It's called risk managed sectors. Rich uh, risk managed sectors. So you take the nine sectors uh, that you use, and you determine uh, whether to be in or out of each one of those sectors, and you make that determination once a month, basically on the first day of the month. Is that basically it? That is basically it, unless something happens mid-month. We obviously revisit those, but you know, if you have a 9-11 event mid-month, we don't necessarily have to wait until the end of the month. We force, basically, the algorithms to rerun. Okay. So uh, most systems that uh, are momentum-based have the most difficult time when there is no trend. If things are trending up, they're fine. If things are trending down, they're fine. But when things are, uh, you know, not trending, when they're in a choppy market, that's very, very difficult. Do you find the same thing? What are the best and worst environments for this particular strategy we've been discussing? This particular strategy, there's always a trend, maybe not in the S&P 500, but there's going to be one, two, three sectors that are going to be trending up or down out of those nine versus the entire market. The Achilles heel, as we call it on this particular strategy, is when a market is one month going maybe up 7% in a month only to go down 8% the next month or vice versa. It's the very volatile choppiness that really get us. When it's barely choppy, if we did trading every single day or look to trade every day, then we could get whip, our clients could get whipsawed going in and out. But that's why we've kind of narrowed that down to a once a month type of normal look. Uh, but the choppy markets are the most disadvantaged for us, yes. Okay, so I presume uh, this has been a challenging year. Actually, you know, it actually hasn't been totally bad this year. It, now, I would prefer to have a, a better trend, but year to date, you know, I think uh, as through July, of course, not looking at August, the S&P is, what, 8.1% up. We're right at 12. So it hasn't been a horrible year, but we've been doing okay. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that, that's very different from uh, most who have been trying to follow that, as we read all the time uh, in the Wall Street Journal about hedge funds. Uh, the past couple of years or a little longer have had difficulty uh, just keeping up with the market here. So uh, tell us about your, uh, b- very briefly, why don't you pick one or two other strategies that you have in your portfolios here? Well, um, to because they all focus on something different, I think the next most popular, that's not really our flagship, we have a VIX strategy, but the one that really a lot of people buy that don't look at our risk manage, or even when they do, they kind of add this to it, is our directional strategy. Our directional strategy is extremely simple. It is either double long the S&P or single short the S&P. It is a pure directional play. Uh, it does not try to go... You know, there's no sectors. You're either double long it or you're single short it. There's no cash position in the middle. Um, it's two things. It has been around since two, the beginning of 2008, and the annual growth rate return compared to the S&P, the S&P in that time frame is up 6.4. We are up 18.7, but it is not for the faint of heart because you do have a double long position. So, therefore, you've got some leverage and you also have some short. Do you use the same kind of indicators that you were talking about before that you use on the uh, uh, the, the, the sector uh, 
strategy? Uh, it, that one actually, the algorithm has, let's see, the risk managed sectors have 54 components that it looks at total. The directional strategy actually has 51, so it's a, a few less, but other than that, there's a huge overlap. I think about 47 of them are exactly the same. Okay, and um, what particularly has attracted people to that other than probably the returns? Well, returns are always really nice for people to look at. The beta is about 0.3 compared to the S&P. Um, the worst year is a negative 16 versus the S&P's negative 37 uh, year in that time frame. But I think what really attracts them is the story of they can use that particular indicator for anything else they're doing. They don't necessarily have to invest in that particular strategy. They're looking at us giving them an indicator, market's going to go up, market's going to go down. And then they can, the advisors can position their clients' portfolios accordingly, whether they're using this particular strategy or not. They're basically looking at it for the up arrow, down arrow. That's very interesting. Do you also send those signals out on the first day of the month, uh, yes, or do you do that with the different time frames? Uh, no, always, seven of the eight are always first day of the month. And then why do you do that? Why don't you just do it whenever it signals a change should be occur? Because you could get a whipsaw, and just because a signal says sell it today, if there, it could tell you to buy it tomorrow. We do have one strategy that the signals are ongoing um, throughout the entire, you know, every trading day. And that turnover ratio in that particular portfolio is close to 400%. So, and that, that is our stock portfolio, not our index portfolios, but... And we've done a ton of back testing. We've looked at numerous studies that show best trading days, best trading times, etc. That we haven't done, but other ones have done. Looking back, you know, a hundred years, and the once a month strategy historically performs better than a live strategy. But with that said, we have the foundation that, or, or the flexibility, we can do a mid-month trade. You know, we're not going to ride something down, you know, a massive amount for the whole month just because our signal says, or our our process says, sell on the first day of the month. We're not going to wait. I mean, if something happens on the second, we're not going to wait until the first of the next month to place that trade. We would wait until the fifteenth to make sure we get do a signal. We just don't want to get our clients whipsawed. Yeah, and, and again, that, that, that's the challenge of uh, those kinds of strategies is, uh, you know, you think it, it's starting to go up and you think it's going to, and so you get this choppiness, and then like you talk about uh, kind of an extreme choppiness, uh, you, you can uh, lose 7 or 8% three or four months in a row. And <laughs> Which is why we do once a month, we look at a three-day three trading day scenario. So if, for example, we tell you to buy the 1st of July, the 18th of July, it shows sell. Well, theoretically, we're going to wait until the 1st of August. But if it's the 18th, 19th, and 20th, and it's down a certain percentage, again, that percentage will be different per strategy, underneath that sell signal, we will issue a mid-month trade alert. Okay, and are you looking at uh, daily uh, or or weekly or three day signals here? What what, what do you well, what's the time frame uh, that, that you're looking at here? We are actually looking at our signals every single day, and we overlay those on daily, weekly, and monthly looks. 
But if something flashes in the middle of the month on a reverse signal from what we just got, we want to track that for three straight days to make sure it stays in that direction. I would rather be wrong on the upside than wrong on the downside for my clients. Sure, sure. And uh, everybody would be here. So so, so that's prudent and, and, and smart here. So tell us... Uh, Paul, this is very interesting stuff. Uh, what, what, what are the, the biggest uh, issues uh, that, that cause people to be concerned about participating with you? What are their biggest concerns? The way it's... I, I, well, what I've heard from advisors is it's different than what the norm, the norm is in the industry. The norm is in the industry, it's sub-advising, you open joint accounts, you have asset minimums, there's an, there's a AUM charge, et cetera, et cetera. We look at it and say, we don't care about all that, it's your client. Uh, for example, if we're telling you to buy in the healthcare sector, but you may have a executive that has a concentrated stock position in Merck or Pfizer, obviously you probably don't want to buy that, so we're giving you the option of not having to, you know, buy that healthcare sector because you're, for that particular client because you're overweighted. In a typical sub-advisory relationship, we would have just bought it and not worried about that because we don't know. So I think the main thing is we're, we're just different. And advisor advisors, as you know, Charlie, a lot of times they don't like change. Yeah, no question about it. The, the majority of advisors you're talking to, uh, assets under management, they're, they're not young. They are experienced and seasoned in the industry, and they have clients who are with them for a variety of reasons, including their experience and uh, their having been in the industry for so long. So uh, for them to come into something that's so different, uh, it, that's, it's a challenge. Uh, just thought of another question on your directional uh, strategy. Can you tell us about what percentage of the time you're accurate what percentage are we accurate on that particular one? The positive periods of the strategy is 62 out of 100. So 62% of the time it is in the correct direction, and that's based on a month-by-month look. If you look at the performance, you know, the max drawdown of the S&P over the same time frame is 48. Our max drawdown is 23 but we're also the volatility is about actually it's about the same as the um, S and P five hundred. So we're taking about the same volatility or same risk, but doing a lot more better, a better return. Well, and if you're right, sixty two percent of the time, and if all of your longs, which are going to be the majority of your trades, correct, uh, if your longs are double long, okay. uh, that 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 indicates here there uh, you're going to significantly outperform the market. No question yep. about it here. So. Yes. So if congratulations on that. We're actually we triple the market compounding on an annualized basis. The market in that time frame is about six and a half. We're about eighteen and some change. Yeah, you had mentioned that here. Right. So a question we'd like to ask all of our guests here, Paul: What keeps you awake at night? You know, if you would have asked me this a few years ago, Charlie, I would say investing wise, not much because we believe in our process because it's time tested and true, uh, and other you know multi billion dollar family offices have been doing it for years as well. But here lately, what's been keeping me up at night is the Federal Reserve. I don't know what kind of rhyme or reason. You know, all of the the textbooks are completely wrong. People always joke, I have more letters behind my name than in my name. And I think we're pretty good studies here. You know, we read the history books, we read all the textbooks, we look at history, we chart, we do all the stuff. And somebody 
Federal Reserve Board comes out and makes a, makes a comment that sends the market kind of crazy for a day or two. And because we're susceptible to choppy markets or, vol, you know, massive choppy markets, that's what keeps me up at night is I can't figure out the Federal Reserve. Yeah, well, when you ever can figure them out, uh, let us know, will you? And we'd love to do a broadcast on that because <laughs> nobody can figure out the Federal Reserve here. So uh, the other question we'd like to ask all of our guests here, Paul, what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners? Well, of course, Charlie, I'd recommend one of my three, but uh, because I'm not going to do that, I would say one of the best books is it's called An Evolutionary Perspective of Investment Risk. It's by Kevin Tuttle. He is also the one that uh, founded the 100-Year Market Theory. It is a great book. It, it kind of shows you the the secular bears and secular bull markets, what the trends have been for the last 100 years. I think it's about 126 years now, but he usually caps it at a 100-year look back. Hey, well, thank you. No one else has uh, recommended that book. And let's give you 20 seconds here to plug. I didn't realize that uh, you had written any books here. My first and foremost book was uh, Asset Protection and Wealth Preservation. The second book that also did very well is How to Profit in an Economic Recession. And my latest book is just uh, Money in Your Pocket, How to Generate a Second Income in Just Four Hours a Week. It's it's not investment-related. It's more of an income-related second-job type scenario. Okay, well, congratulations. I know books don't come together automatically or without significant toil and effort here. So uh, congratulations on on doing that. So give us your website for those who want to know more. Uh, For those who want to know more, the website is Plutos Wealth. That is P-L-O-U-T-O-S-W-E-A-L-T-H.com, PlutosWealth.com. Okay, and contact information. Uh, contact information, obviously that one, uh, or they can actually reach out to us at 317-537-7801. So, Paul, final words for our listeners here. Be patient. Always, kind of when you get on an airline, the first thing they tell you is, in case of emergency, find your nearest exit. You don't want to jump out the exit. You don't want a problem. But when you're investing, always have an exit strategy before you invest. Great advice. Paul, thank you very much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Great. Thank you, Charlie. We've been talking with Paul Cohn, Plutus Wealth, uh, who developed and managed financial strategies for advisors to use in managing their clients' assets. And he has spoken to us out of uh, Fishers, uh, Indiana, which is a greater area of... uh, Indianapolis. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. This is Charlie Wright wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investment. You've been listening to The Strategic Investor, your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Investing is not rocket science.